Well, I hope you've had a great week. I have been truly blessed, had a truly phenomenal week. God has done some incredible things. And I've been so blessed by all of you that have sent me uh, testimonies, like I asked last week. And uh, I see my camera's playing up again, praise God. But tonight I'm gonna to talk very briefly about the fact that Christianity is once again under a renewed attack. And um, I hope you can hear me well. Um, I've been playing around with the equipment today to try and get everything right. But let, let, let's talk about what I wanted to talk about. Christianity is under a renewed attack. And we have seen it more and more in the last few weeks with the rise of particular protests. And I have nothing against those that have legitimate protests. So I'm not going to criticize anybody that was involved in legitimate protest. But, um, and I'm not going to name organizations. That would be wrong with me because um, I don't believe that we should do that. My concern is that certain factions within certain groups and other groups that have infiltrated legitimate protests have an anti-Christ an anti agenda. And that causes me great concern because it means that once again, Christianity and the church in general is under a renewed attack. But this time, the violence that is being perpetuated against the church is not just a physical violence. It is also a spiritual and a political uh, violence. For years, we have seen how Governments, successive governments, have tried to legislate the church out of existence. And to a great part, they've succeeded because we have sat back and allowed it to happen. We didn't fight. We, we, we just let the governments do what they did. The proof of that is what's happened globally with the pandemic. Governments shut the church down overnight and there was there was no fight from us at all. When we, when we look at what is happening now in the church, when we look at the persecution that is happening, not in, not in predominantly Islamic countries, not in third world countries, right here in our own country, in Great Britain, in North America, in South Africa, in countries that were founded upon Christian beliefs and Christian principles that have been Christian countries for millennia. We see that there is an all-out assault on Christianity. An all-out assault. If you look at North America right now, I believe that a lot of the, the, the rhetoric and the behavior that is perpetuated by left-wing socialists has become more and more aggressive simply because of the place that Christianity now has in the leadership of the nation. In the United Kingdom, we have seen repeated attempts to legislate the church out of existence, out of society. The dissolution of the family, the breakdown of marriage, the the, the transference of rights, the, 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 the um, unisex bathrooms, you know, the teaching children about, about uh, 
sexual intercourse at primary school levels that now recently, just today, I saw a video clip from a TED talk um, and then another clip of a person teaching children that paedophilia was a natural sexual persuasion like heterosexuality is as God intended it that paedophilia is also a natural sexual persuasion we are legislating I say we because we're involved in it we vote these people into office because we don't stand up and take office ourselves we are legislating morality out of existence we are legislating morale the church the moral voice the moral compass of a nation out of society altogether and we are seeing a demise into full-blown socialism and secular humanism and it can only go one way because we know what happens when a nation turns its back on God and in this hour in this day I am hugely concerned that we are moving so far away from God as nations but more so that we are moving so far away from God as a church that we may end up losing sight of the God we serve, the God that we love and right now in the charismatic Pentecostal evangelical churches there is such a watering down of the gospel message there is such a dilution of the dispensation of grace there is such a moving away from the foundational truths of the gospel of the Word of God that what we see emerging is not Christianity I don't care what spin you put on it I don't care how you you you, you try to 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 uh, make it sound appealing the Bible says if if they come and preach any other gospel save the gospel of Jesus Christ well I hear a lot of gospels being preached right now that are not not the gospel of Jesus Christ they are not the gospel of of good news they are not the life the the death the birth the life the death the resurrection the second coming of Christ you cannot live your life any way that you see fit because God has already forgiven you I don't care who you think you are there is a simple simple understanding to the gospel it takes profound men to complicate it but the gospel is easy living the gospel life is not always easy but the gospel itself is easy so I'm concerned by the, the destruction of churches and church property I'm concerned by the the eradication of the Word of God at every opportunity and in every way I am concerned by um, I'm concerned by how easily politicians can slander and deface the church I'm amazed at how 
TV personas, personalities, people like Don Lemon of CNN could say that Jesus was not perfect. We're reducing Christ to human traits. We're reducing the living Jesus to a sense that is not God. And every once in a while, when a generation loses sight of God and a generation loses its focus on God, God finds it necessary to interject himself into that generation, to remind us that he is still God, to remind us that he still lives, that he still heals, that he still delivers, to remind us that he is powerful, that he is above all other gods, and I fear that if we do not begin to stand up for what is right, if we do not begin to stand up for the truth of the gospel, what we will see is a world that was lost, was brought back to Christ in the act of redemption and is very rapidly moving away to the wilderness again. But if we don't do something right now, if we don't do something right now, see, one of the things that concerns me, and I say this with leaders watching me, one of the things that concerns me is that there are too many church leaders now that are more akin to picking a side. Let's say America, for example, where they are a political party in a denomination before they're Christian. And we see the church, uh, to use North America, America as my example, we see the church completely divided over political lines. Yet, God's purpose for the church was never to be a player in a team. We were supposed to be the moral voice. We were supposed to be the umpire on the pitch. We're the ones that tell those that don't know how to play by the rules, what the rules are. And we are the ones that are supposed to enforce them. And we're not, because you can't referee the game if you're too busy playing for a team. And I'm concerned that the church is under such an attack at the moment. Just this week, one of the US governors tweeted that it seems that Christians have nothing more than a reputation for evil and hatred. What? And that's how the media, that's how politics, that's how society is portraying us. If you look at Hollywood over the last few years, which is a great example, if you look at Hollywood, Hollywood has taken the demonic, the abhorrent, the perverse, the diabolical, and what they've done is they've presented them in such a way that is so appealing that we in the church with absolute truth, with unconditional love, with unmerited favor, with the power of the Spirit of God at work in our lives. We have bungled our presentation of the gospel so ridiculously 
that Hollywood has made it look like they are telling the truth. And we as a church are the charlatans. We are the, the ones that are not in total truth. That we are not in absolute knowledge of the living Jesus Christ. And they've made this demonic, diabolical, perverse presentation so appealing to people that now society immediately gravitates to the darkness, immediately gravitates to the junk that they present. Well, I for one am tired, not physically, spiritually and emotionally tired, mentally tired of hearing my Christ crucified on a daily basis. I'm tired of seeing the crap, sorry for the expression, that Hollywood and media and the news churn out. I'm sick to death of the, the uh, I shouldn't say that, I'm sick to my back teeth of the abhorrent rhetoric that goes unanswered by the church because we're so busy doing our thing, trying to stay alive, trying to, to, to build empires. I'm not an empire builder. I had a conversation with a friend of mine yesterday and I said, you know, this, I'm in my 29th year of preaching ministry. Never once pushed myself, never once asked for a platform to speak at, and I never will. Paul said, Paul said, make thyself of no reputation. The Bible teaches us it's not I that lives, but Christ that liveth in me. So everything I do should be a reflection of him. Everything I say should, re should be an utterance or a reflection of his word. And I'm sick of seeing a church that moans and complains, that goes through these attacks and does nothing. Might I remind you that my living Jesus, my living Jesus is the one that fashioned the whip and went to the temple. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Meekness does not mean that we are weak but we are portraying ourselves the purveyors of absolute power of the living Christ at work in the earth by the Holy Spirit. We are portraying ourselves as weak and spineless and it has got to stop. If it does not stop, we will be forced underground. If it does not stop, we will be subjugated and we will be wiped out. Church is too busy attacking each other. Do you know, considering that we're supposed to be one body, I was talking to Bishop George Bloomer a couple of years ago. He did an interview with me at Westminster Cathedral in London. And I said to him during that interview, at that point, there were 63,900 different Christian reformations and denominations and organizations registered. 
as the Christian church. For the one body, we are the most disunited, disunified body on the planet. 63,900 different Christian organizations, reformations, and denominations at that time. Now that was October 2017, I think. Might have been January 2018. October 2018, 2017. 63,900. How absolutely ridiculous. See, I have a problem with denominations, always have done because a denomination we get from the word denominator, which is in the mathematical terms, the lowest thing, you, the lowest number you can divide anything by. Denominations simply cause divisions as far as I'm concerned. When people ask me, what am I? I reply, a Christian. They ask me, now which church do you go to? I said, you didn't ask me that. I don't identify with a single church. I identify as being a bishop in the Lord's church. I identify as being a believer of Christ, which means I'm a Christian. But we've got to get our fighting spirit back. We have got to understand that the Bible says the kingdom of God suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. I used to joke with a friend of mine to say, you know, the Bible says turn the other cheek. I will turn the other cheek, but you need to watch out for the hand that follows it. I will not just lay down and take it. I will defend my Christ to the death. Because if I die defending him, if I die fighting for what is right in his eyes, then I have the joy of wearing a martyr's crown. But I will not, I will not put up with the defamation and the destruction that is perpetuated against the church and against Christians anymore. So I want to tell you, the church is under a renewed attack. We saw it last in, in great form in, in 2006 with what I called the Jesus Papers, the Da Vinci Code, the, 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 uh, the attempts to delegitimize the divinity of Christ, the profanity of him having not been perfect, being a man of sexual pleasure and all manner of junk that they came out with. Sometimes the gospel is offensive, but the scripture says, for you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And sometimes the truth hurts. Sometimes the truth is hard to swallow. I know, because when my mentor gave me truth about myself, it was not an easy pill to swallow. But I tell you what, accepting that truth, it set me free. And for any leader that's watching or might watch on the replay, if all you're building is an empire, please do the church a favor and sit down and shut up. Get out the way. You are contributing to the demise of the church. I've so told so many leaders, and I, I stand by it, I've told so many leaders that I genuinely believe this pandemic, this season of the pandemic, would be for the charismatic evangelical Pentecostal church what the flood was to Noah in so much as many would not survive and that was God's plan.
If your vision is not kingdom, sit down and be quiet. Stay out of the way. Because there is an army rising up. And I'm not saying that as a great hymn to, to be sung or a wonderful chorus. I mean right in the hearts of men and women around the world, there is an army that is rising up. And it's about time this, as Carmen said, sleeping giant called the church woke the heck up. It is about time that we realized that we need to start wielding the sword of the Spirit. I'm tired of spineless Christians. And I can say that having been one of them. I'm tired of the fact that we won't preach the gospel, that we're too afraid, we don't want to cause offense, we don't want to upset anybody. I wonder if Jesus felt like that when he went into that temple and turned those tables over. I wonder if he felt like that and thought, oh, let me not do that. I wonder if Jesus would have felt like that in Gethsemane. Let me not die on a cross because I don't want to offend anybody. Let me just slink off into the darkness. I wonder who would have died for your salvation then. The church is under renewed attack and it is our responsibility to protect it, to defend it, to fight for it. Because if we don't, nobody else will. Plain and simple. Nobody else will. I know one bishop that in this time of Antifa, BLM protests, in Wales we had climate change protests the week after Antifa and BLM. And, and, and in an age where churches are being burnt down, are, are being destroyed in an age when religious iconography and symbolism is being torn down and defaced. His response was, what a strange time we're living. What a strange time we're living. The church is under one of the most violent attacks we've ever seen and your answer to it is, what a strange time we live in. If you dare to wear the robes of a preacher, you better dare to protect it, to defend it, to fight for it. Because if you're not, my brother, my sister, take those robes off, sit down and be quiet because you are part of the problem, not the solution. We are in a strange moment where we will see God reveal himself to a generation once again. But I fear that it will be in judgment, not in love. I believe with all of my heart, God is fixing to reveal himself to a generation, to remind a generation, I'm still here. But my great fear is that it will be in judgment, not in love. And it will be in judgment in the house of God first before it hits the world because we in the house of God, and I always include myself, 
we in the house of God have been the ones that have let complacency and comfort be the reasons we don't do the work of the gospel. Friends, it has got to stop. It has got to stop. Because if it doesn't, the consequences don't even bear thinking about. They really don't. They just don't bear thinking about what would happen. What would happen to us as believers? What would happen to the church? What would happen to the world? Because let me tell you now, there is an agenda in this earth to wipe the church out of existence. There was an agenda to wipe the church out of the earth before the church began. And there is an agenda now to wipe the church out completely from existence. The quickest way to acceptance is conformity to the crowd. And I don't live to be accepted, never have done. I don't live to be tolerated. What part are you gonna play in the kingdom rebellion? What part are you gonna play in God's kingdom rebellion? In the taking back of the territory which role will you play? Will you dare to step out into the field of play and call the game according to the words, to, according to the word of God, according to the rules? Or will you continue to pick a team and play I'm not in it to play the game. God put me on this earth to be involved in calling the game, in enforcing the rules. My heart ached this past weekend as the last of a generation of generals made his transition to our father's house. The late Dr. Morris Cirillo has joined the heavenly host, was welcomed into the communion of saints and I rejoice that he has made his final journey. But my heart weeped. A sorrow came over me at the hearing of the news. More than a sadness, deep, deep spiritual sorrow. Because I began to ask the question of where are the generals that come after them? Lord, now that the likes of Dr. T.L. Osborne, T.L. Lowry, Billy Graham, Al Roberts, Morris Cirillo. These incredible patriarchs of faith have left, have gone home. Who will come after them? And I'm concerned about it because I don't think there are leaders in a position that will truly stand up and fight. They're too busy down in the trenches, trying to be buddy-buddy with everybody, trying to keep everybody happy, trying to please everybody. Well, let me tell you this, generals don't think in the trench. 